CampusToCanton.com is taking it to another level. Starting August 28th, book in your college Saturday with the C2C team in every Saturday of the college football regular season. At 10 a.m. Eastern, come join the tailgate as we get you ready for the Saturday slate of games, start sits, players to keep an eye on, and college DFS lineups. Then the Late Show with Coast to Coast. We take you around the country to recap the significant fantasy performances, whose values increased or decreased the most, and those out-of-nowhere players that have to be considered for waivers. Do this right now. Go to the Campus to Canton YouTube page. That's Campus, the number two, Canton, and subscribe. Turn on notifications. You don't want to miss what we have going on. The tailgate in the morning, coast to coast to tuck you in at night. CampusCanton.com has you covered for the most anticipated college football season ever. Go do it now. Go to the YouTube page and subscribe. <laughs> Welcome to summer school, everyone. Our final prep here for you in, in all uh, Devi, CFF, or obviously Campus to Canton leagues. As always, I'm Colin, and school is back in session this week. I'm joined by another substitute teacher here tonight uh, with Austin still on vacation. Uh, this is a man known for his deep dives into prospects uh, with his film reviews over on the Why Wait Till Sunday YouTube page. He's got articles and pods highlighting some three-star future studs and athlete recruits that you need to be aware of and not overlook. Uh, I'm joined by Mr. Alfred J. Fernandez. How are we doing tonight, Alfred? Thank you for that intro, Colin. Uh, I'm great, and uh, it's it's really fun to be here on the uh, C2C podcast, Campus Life. Um, definitely listened for a long time, and, and now we're, we're colleagues and business partners, so I'm happy to jump on this pod with you. Yeah, I mean... I couldn't ask for for a better uh, co-host here than one of our uh, business partners and co-founders of CampusToCanton.com. Uh, one of the OGs. I mean, you were, uh, you and Austin, I yeah. know, were talking some shop about starting up something. Uh, and then Austin's like, hey, I know we're, you, you and I were looking to do this on our own, but uh, he's like, I've been talking to Alfred about this. He's like, he's like, would you want to bring him on board? And I was like, absolutely. I was like, let's, let's get him in here. Yeah. We were the first three and, uh, and then we kind of got a little bigger from there, but yeah, this is, uh, yeah. this is the original group or yes. two thirds of the original group, but who cares about Austin really? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's not even here. <laughs> um, for those of you keeping score at home, this is Austin's fifth missed show. I've only missed four. So despite everybody giving me shit, he's actually missed more shows than me. <laughs> Yeah, you're taking the lead now. Uh, yeah, and he may never. And he joked about me not getting his pod chair back. Uh, my mind back. He may not get his back. He's not careful here tonight. That's my goal tonight. My goal is to um, is to make a run for this chair. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we uh, this is episode three of our summer school. Episode one was on the Sun Belt uh, that dropped last week. Episode two on the Mac also dropped last week. Um, but this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great pods, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points Podcast. You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, 
or check out the Friday drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Uh, so we'll hop right in here, Alfred. Uh, news was pretty light this week. I mean, I know teams uh, started opening up camp, but we haven't really had a lot break here lately. Um, so, uh, you know, as, as long as there's no burning news item here that you got, uh, I figure we can just kind of hop right into our cram session. We can skip over the news segment, if that's cool with you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was surprised there wasn't a couple of nuggets with camps opening up, but there, I didn't see yeah. any either. Yeah, I, I know. You if you figure with camps opening up, you know, something would have dropped. But I mean, we had the the Brew McCoy, the Max John or the Miles Brennan news last uh, earlier on in the week here. So, you know, maybe we'll get some tidbits trickling out here over the weekend or something or early next week. Sounds good. Uh, but we'll hop right into our cram session. And this is a segment we've been doing with um, all of our guests that we've had on. And we've been bringing in some special guests as well along the way uh, just to get some, you know, perspective from some experts here on uh, some last second prep. So, Alfred, give me one player you think will improve their stock the most this year. I am going to go on brand and select Jeff Sims, quarterback for Georgia Tech. Um, I have been uh, tooting his horn all offseason, sometimes getting made fun of by my own own brethren here at CanvasCanton.com. But yeah, I mean, I'm just going to stick with it. I think he's got the tools that we all want to see in a quarterback, um, the tools that NFL wants to see in a quarterback, and the main issues – Last year, and there were some, but they were, to me, something you could definitely chalk up to the whole COVID offseason, not getting a lot of work with a brand new team coming in as a true freshman into the Power Five. Uh, It was decision-making, and I think that's something that he can certainly improve upon with a full offseason and working with his guys and working with the team, the players, and getting familiar with the system. So if he retains the exciting you know, groundwork that he's got. And uh, I think he's got a pretty quick release and a nice strong arm and just get tightened things up a little bit. I think he could really leap in, in all of our rankings and you could start talking about NFL potential uh, if he does what I think he might do this year. So I'm sticking, sticking with it. I believe in him. And if anyone hasn't is listening to the podcast and has not heard me say it before right now, Jeff Sims, keep that name in mind. Yeah, you've been uh, you've been the key guy pounding the Jeff Sims drum here. You've been pounding that drum for a while, uh, despite some of the flack you caught on the show for maybe having him ranked too high. But hey, I mean, absolute worst case scenario, he is a dynamite college producer, and you got him for another two to three years there. So you know he can put up a lot of numbers for your college, and then he's got all the tools the NFL is looking for nowadays. Uh, I kind of see him as a, a similar to a guy that I talked about for my bold prediction, DTR. I think he could very easily have a, a similar career path where, you know, came in with some hype, a little bit of a disappointment, you know, rebounds, and then potentially works his way up into, you know, some high draft capital in the near future. Love to hear it. Uh, well, let's go with one player here you think will hurt their stock the most this year. Oh, that's. That's tough, but I think a guy who could really regret coming back to school is Chris Olave. Uh, you know, Garrett Wilson looked to me to be the more explosive and exciting playmaker. And now everyone's real excited about Jackson Smith and Gata. 
and then or Najigba, and then you've got um, Marvin Harrison who's making some waves. Now, do I think JSN and Marvin Harrison Jr. are gonna like necessarily? They're not gonna leapfrog him on the depth chart. But if you've got some targets that start trickling over to JSN and then Marvin Harrison's demanding some targets as well, I just think Olave could have left on top and he's coming back and there's more competition to me than there was last year, both with some guys getting experience like JSN and some hot new freshmen like Marvin Harrison. Um, I just think he's not going to have that. Like he's not going to have Devonta Smith season where he goes for like 1600 yards and wins the Heisman. Like, he should have just gone. He would have been a second round pick, I think. I think he should have just gone. So I think his stock could drop if he is the, you know, second, but kind of starts getting tied with third, maybe between some other guys any given Saturday. And I think Gary Wilson's the alpha. And so I think that's how it might p- play out. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you nailed it. I think he's, he came back looking for that Devonta Smith type year. And I don't know if he's going to get it. And, I know you have a background in analytics and now he's got that fourth year under his belt, which definitely does not look good for him. Um, so yeah. last one here, uh, give us your boldest prediction, your spiciest take, uh, bring the heat here. Oh, I, you know, this is a guy who I've very recently started to realize like, Oh man, he, he might have first round draft capital in his future. And I, I think he was not even on anyone's radar last year. And that's Caleb Ellaby for Western Michigan uh, quarterback. And it was, you know, I think some people may be chalking it up to like shortened seasons. He only played like six to eight games, but he was absolutely incredible. Um Good enough completion percentage, I think around 65%, which is really nice. But the big number is 11, over 11 yards per attempt, which is cat like just that's incredible. I mean, I went back and looked actually since 2016, P5, G5, doesn't matter. Only six other quarterbacks, I believe, had a whole season where they had a yards per attempt over 11. Every single one of those guys are now starting in the NFL. Uh, and so it just, he's tracking, like he was so good that if he does that again, I think, I mean, he could be a first round pick. Like it happened to Zach Wilson. He, he came out of nowhere. He had, he had a season basically like Ellaby did only on a bigger stage, a little more national notoriety. And of course he was draft eligible. And then he went and was second overall pick. Like if Ellaby does this again, I just, I'm not saying he's gonna be the second overall pick, but like, I think. I think a first round picks in his future. Caleb Ellaby first round pick. I love he it. He was so uh, good. I like love it. look at the numbers. I mean, he was so, so good. I love it. Yeah. I mean, Austin, uh, well, last week we uh we talked a little maction. Austin was is very high on Caleb Ellaby as well. He brought up that stat that you dropped there too. Um, and did correctly attribute it to you, uh, you know, and in, oh. in your article there um <laughs> that you wrote. But yeah, I, I love the Caleb Ellaby talk. I mean, man, his hype is getting out of control right now. You know, I mean, his ADP is on the rise. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm scooping him up still because I, I still yeah. think it's worthwhile because he's going to give you a top, potentially a top five quarterback season in college. And then I, you know, any guy who like you can get now before they've got confirmed like high draft capital, uh, if you can see it, squint and see it in their future. I mean, it's worth picking him up because you might get a, a bona fide NFL guy that you you know didn't have to pay for too high. Yeah, I love it. I mean, uh, you know, his his ADP is getting up there, but 
I think he's got a better NFL future than Malik Willis. Ooh. <laughs> Did you just out hot take my hot take? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Is that that hot of a take, man? I mean, he's a better passer. I think according to most people, that would be pretty hot right now. But that's fair. That's yeah, fair. I don't I mean, I don't hate it. He was so good, and he's gonna be good again this year because they yeah. still have explosive playmakers. They got Sky Moore. Jalen Hall is another one of my very favorite late, late, late picks. Uh explosive outside deep threat. Uh, and there's no reason he's not just gonna do it again this year. Yeah, I totally agree. So yeah. how high uh, how high are you looking to take Ellaby? Like, what's the highest you've taken him? If you can well, yeah, remember I mean, the off the top is, of you your head. Yeah, I mean the thing is, you don't have to do it that high. But I mean, I think I think honestly, around round twenty or so, like he's still sitting there and in, in drafts I'm, I'm doing right now. And so anytime after round twenty, go ahead. I mean, I don't at that point, who cares? And uh, so I think I've taken him in the twenties, but I can't remember when exactly. But I don't think you even have to reach higher than that. Are you seeing? It. Are you seeing higher than that? Have you seen it? Um, I have seen it in the draft that I just did most recently, and it was he was taken like right after we dropped the pod. Um, mm. Chris Moxley's in that one too. He was upset that he got taken. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head what round it was. I want to say it was like fifteen. Yeah, or so. it was right around there. So it was it was a little bit earlier than that, but. Um, yeah, like I said, it was, it was right after we dropped the pod, right after Austin was hyping him up right after Austin dropped your little nugget about the, uh, the top six, uh, quarterbacks to go over 11 yards per attempt, mm -hmm. all being starters. So, yeah, I mean, um, and that includes some G five guys. Like it's not all power five guys. So right. it's pretty interesting. Right. I love it. Um, well, we do have uh, a cram session from last week that I uh, did with Mr. Corey P. Um, I did clip that one out of the show here because um, I wasn't completely sure how this week was going to shake out. Plus, that episode would have been almost an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> it was good to clip that one a little bit. So uh, we're going to hear from uh, Corey P here right now. Um, but uh, we'll move here into our into our next segment. And this is something we've been kind of doing with all of our guests lately. We're calling it the cram session. Uh, so just three short questions here. Um, you know, just we're keeping them the same across the board. One player who will help their stock the most this year, one player who will hurt their stock the most, uh, and then hit me with your boldest, spiciest take. Uh, <laughs> okay. And you can you can take these questions in any direction you want to go. You want to go from a CFF perspective, Dynasty, Devi, NFL draft, college football as a whole. Uh, however you want to look at these, go for it. So uh, we'll start off with one player who's going to help their stock the most here this year. Yeah, and I mean this is a pretty typical answer, I think, across some 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 sharper analysts, anyways. Um, but my answer is going to be Josh Downs out of North Carolina. I mean, um, uh, he, he's starting to go pretty early in some drafts, especially if we're in like some sharper drafts with guys like you or whatever. But there's still a lot of home drafts or home leagues where I'm seeing this guy go seventh round. I'm taking him in home leagues, and guys are questioning me who the hell he even is. And you you know, I, I really think that this guy could potentially blow up this year. You know, you look at North Carolina uh, losing. Down as Newsome losing Diami Brown uh, counted for like a massive amount of Howell's production over the last two years. Uh, Diane, when Diami opted out at the end of the, at the end of the year last year, uh, I was, it was Downs who stepped in right away uh, into that bowl game, uh, four catches, 91 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the guy's an insane athlete. I mean, verified 4.4740, uh, verified 41 inch vert. 
And I mean, the size is always going to leave something to be desired with, with the 510, 180 or something. I believe he was 175. Uh, but at the end of the day, that the way the NFL is trending towards these smaller players now with the Hollywoods, the Meekles, the I mean, even guys like Schwartz and Eskridge getting really good capital this year. I really think that the NFL is trending towards players like a separation artists, you know, and I, I really think that Josh Downs has a big chance to be to raise his stock by this time next year. Man, I love that Josh Downs take. Uh, I know Austin would too. Everybody likes to think of North Carolina with the two-headed monster that they had in the backfield last year with Javante Williams, Michael Carter, both put up 1,000 yards, had fantastic years. But North Carolina was also quietly 18th in the country in pass yards per game. And with losing both those two running backs, I think there's a good chance that you know they at least repeat that performance. And yeah, like you said, Daz Newsome, uh, Diami Brown, both gone. Downs looking like the guy who's going to step up. He stepped up in the bowl game last year with both those guys out. Uh, I love that take on Josh Downs. Um, so conversely, one player we think is going to hurt their stock the most this year. I hope this doesn't end up as a cop-out answer because I know a lot of guys are kind of saying the same thing, all right? But my guy is going to be Chris Olave from OSU. Okay, I know that he's he, he's been mocked up there in drafts right now from a lot of draft analysts first round some guys even have him at number one I think the athletic had him at number one whoever does their rankings there I can't really remember at this second but I mean in analytic terms the guy has already hurt his stock by just returning for the senior season right I mean for, just by walking in the door he's already technically hurt his stocks if you want to be analytic about it right but we're also talking about a, a quarterback change we're talking about a wide receiver room that continues to get an influx of talent. You got Harrison coming in. You got a Mecca. You got a JSN. Is he going to ascend a little more? Is Fleming actually going to come out of his shell a little bit? You know what I mean? And you've got a very, very talented Garrett Wilson, who I think is going to be another year wiser, another year better, who who could take a lot more of, of the pie. And I think that we could see a, a pretty big dip in production for Chris Olave and not really be that number one. Maybe it's more spread around. Maybe Wilson becomes more the number one, but, but yeah, I'm just kind of down on Olave over overall. And I think that that, that move already hurt his stock. And I think with everything else that's going on there, I don't know if it was the best decision for him. Yeah. I I'm with you there too, as well. I, I like Garrett Wilson. Um, I think he's going to have a really big year this year too. And I like JSN too. I think he's going to have a nice year as well. And you know, then they bring in at Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Abuka, number one guy from this class. So it's, it's crowded room. He said new QB. Um, yeah, I think that's a I think that's a good call. Um, and then last part here, give me your boldest, your spiciest take. Bring the heat here. <laughs> okay, so this one actually pisses some people off. I think in drafts, I get just like reamed out. I mean, but I, it sh probably shouldn't be a hot take, okay? But it's the one I definitely get the most flack for whenever I draft Brees Hall before Bijan Robinson in any draft, okay? I, I get it, okay? Bijan has special upside. You know, he could be like the next Saquon type freak. He, he everything that we know about him says that he's this athletic freak, and he looked really good in his limited showing last year. You know what I mean? But I, I don't understand why we take away so much from Brees. It's like we're looking for reasons not to like Brees anymore because, you know, he, he's looked great since he stepped onto the field uh, for Iowa State. I mean, he dominated with far less expectations. He seized a job that he was never supposed to get. And he's done nothing but, like, smash the thresholds we, we want to see from guys coming into the year as running backs. You know what I mean? I, I loved his high school tape. This guy was a dynamic dual threat. Uh, he was split out wide lots, catching lots of balls. So I love to see how he was used so versatilely and, like, he was very comfortable catching the ball, um, you know, 
I, some people want to harp on his speed, I guess, his, his long speed, whatever, but I see plenty of bursts there. I have no concerns about him overall. I really think that it could actually be overblown. I, I, I know there's a random article out there. I tried to find it, couldn't find it anymore. Uh, I have the picture still of, of the article because uh, I posted it on Twitter, but it was that Brees Hall ran somewhere in the 4 or 5 range already. And so, I mean, if, even if he comes out in around four, five, four, four, eight, whatever, I'm totally happy with it, with that. I mean, it's completely unverified, doesn't hold a lot of weight, but I mean, he looks pretty good to me on tape. He looks pretty quick, pretty bursty. You, you know what I mean? And cherry on top. And I know this, this is where a lot of differs, especially philosophy between C2C and Devi, but the cherry on top is that I get him a year early. And I know that. In C2C, it's not as big of a deal, right? Because you're still looking to compete on the college side. Bijan is going to be awesome for you. You're going to win money on the college side with him on your team. I, I guarantee it. You know what I mean? But when you're looking at it from a Debbie perspective, and you got two years left for me to get to Bijan, you got I got one year left for me to get to uh, to Brees. There's so much that can happen in two years. We've even seen it already. Justin Ross, neck injury. Journey Brown, gone. Guy gets into domestic abuse. Guy gets into what, you know what I mean? I, I know that it's a small luxury, okay? And I call it a luxury because it's not something I necessarily always take into my analysis, but it is a luxury. It's no, it's their safety in knowing that that guy is going to come to you and you don't have to worry about the next few years if he gets injured or whatever or whatever. And, and that's, the, that's the difference, I guess, with Devi and C2C is that C2C, you're not as worried about that stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, even in C2C, though, like Austin and I, big, big, um, you know, proponents of trying to win on the college side. But either way, you know, the NFL prize, the the dynasty prize, that's always the focus. You know, that's yeah. what you want to focus on. And getting a guy like Brees Hall, even a year early, you know, Brees Hall led the league, led the country in rushing last year. Back to back years of 23 catches. Like you said, you know, what more do you want from this guy? Um Bijan, I like Bijan a lot, but it is, it's a lot of projections still too. You know I mean? He smashed right. there at the end of the year, but you know, new coach there, um, not the guy who recruited him. Now I feel pretty comfortable with, with that moving forward, but there's definitely some risk there. And, you know, if you're splitting hairs at the top, you know, Brees Hall is definitely the safer option. And like you said, you get him a year sooner and I don't think he's going to be, I don't think he's going to be a disappointment. Right. And it's not so much that I'm saying, Take Brees Hall over Bijan. Okay, I think I'm more arguing for the fact that Brees Hall should be considered in the same tier as Bijan. I know a lot of guys put him down below. I think even on your guys' rankings, you guys have Isaiah Spiller as two uh, consensus, but which is fine. I love Spiller as well. But I'm just I'm just here arguing for the fact that Brees Hall deserves to be in the conversation. Yeah, I'm with you. I I have Brees Hall over Spiller. Um, I like Spiller a lot. Uh, I think he had a really nice year last year, but. And I do go back and forth a little bit with it because Spiller like is going to be a better size adjusted athlete, I think. But you know, you don't necessarily need that at the at the running back position. I mean, you know, you some guys just aren't these, you know, the the explosive, the Saquon Barkleys, you know, those those guys don't grow on trees. Um, so you know, when you can get a guy who's consistent and a, a guy like Brees Hall, where you know. Yeah, he, he doesn't have high-end athleticism, but it's good. It, it's solid. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's – I wouldn't fault anybody for taking Brees Hall there and putting him in a tier with Bijan. Um, so we'll that'll do it here for the cram session. And we are back here with uh, Mr. Alfred J. Fernandez. And we're going to bring you guys a little bit of uh, a little bit of CUSA talk here today. Um 
Now, I do have the benefit here of being the one of the ones who wrote the articles for the site. I wrote the CUSA West. So I am working at a little bit of an advantage here today, but uh, I know there is a guy here that you have been pounding the drum for all off season. This is your guy. <laughs> you were the first person I heard talking about him. Um, we will get to him in just one second, but we'll start off here with some must haves for CUSA at quarterback. And you know what? Show sheep be damned. I hyped him up. Let's go. Let, 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 let's have you have a shot at your guy here. Yeah. Okay. You can only be talking about no, none other than Bailey Zappi. Um, interesting guy here. If, if you're, if you're not familiar, he played his first four years, I believe at uh, Houston Baptist an FCS team. Um, and I don't really know, honestly, I mean, I think he started for two or three years uh, prior, but he just tore it up last year and, and they had an interesting schedule. Uh, Houston Baptist actually played for, I think, FBS teams, all G5, I believe, if I remember correctly. But but basically four big games against uh, legitimate, you know, FBS teams, which he'll now be competing in at Western Kentucky in the Conference USA. But we have evidence of him destroying some G5 teams, and that's who he's going to be playing this year. So last year, I believe it was like over 400 yards per game, almost like four touchdowns per game or something like that. I mean, you know, it's an air raid system at Houston Baptist. So all your wildest dreams, the old Texas Tech teams or or Washington State under Leach or whatever, like this is the type of offense they are throwing 60, 50, 60 times a game. Uh, and they brought the OC over from Houston Baptist. They bought Bailey Zappi. They bought his like top three receivers all came over to Western Kentucky. So basically it's just like Houston Baptist East campus, uh, in Western <laughs> Kentucky. So, but the big thing is we know what he's done against G five teams. And so that's who he's going to play all year this year. And so I think there's no reason to think that he won't put up 300 easy every week, maybe 350 probably top 400 every once in a while. Um, and you're looking at three to four touchdowns a week. And so I think on the college side, it's a later quarterback you can pick up, probably going to give you a top 10 season uh, at the quarterback position for basically free. And I, you know, I watched some film. There's an old YouTube video of me looking at him on why wait till Sunday. If you want to go check that out, I did a full like three game highlight well not even highlights i just like clipped three games worth of plays and looked at it he does seem to show some nfl type throws but of course most of it is that you know quick air raid passing offense you know but there are some that he can zip it opposite hash deep to the corner of the end zone drop it in the bucket things like that so i think there's an outside shot he gets a look in the nfl maybe makes the senior bowl and and turns some heads there yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, when whenever you put up a performance like he did last year, you know, people people stand up and take notice. Um, he at four hundred and fifty eight point three <laughs> yards per game led all of college football in all levels. And he was one hundred and one point three yards per game above the leading FBS passer in Dylan Gabriel. Oh, my gosh. And like you said, he brings his OC, he brings his quarterback coach and his top three wide receivers. So, you know, people who are like, oh, you know, what about the level of competition change? You know, what about the new the new team? 
it's not a new system. And like you touched on with the competition change, he did all of that in four games, all of that against power five teams from last year. North Texas. Well, it was, it was G5, it was G5 against, and Texas Tech was the one power yes, five. Yes, all against, sorry, all against FBS teams is what I meant. Correct. Correct. Um, North Texas puts up 480 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, La Tech, 406 yards and five touchdowns. 380 yards and three touchdowns against Eastern Kentucky. And then against Texas Tech, drops 567 <laughs> yards and four touchdowns. That's laughable. The 567 yards were the most ever for an FCS player against an FBS team. Yeah. I mean, when it's, you look, when you have people breaking all time records, you really need to at least say, okay, maybe he's not the next Joe Montana, but like, there's something to that. When a guy breaks an all time record, you got to be like, there could be something here. Exactly. And he has more than 10,000 career passing yards. He leads all active FCS quarterbacks. And the only four FBS quarterbacks that he ranked behind last year were Shane Bouchelle, and that these were the quarterbacks in that class. Shane Bouchelle, Sam Ellinger, Brady White, Trevor Lawrence. Wow. Only quarterbacks he ranks behind in terms for career of passing for yards? career passing yards. Yeah, and Bouchelle was like a six-year player, I think, or something exactly. like that. He played forever. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, those guys were, were you know, Brady White, Sam Ellinger were at least three-year starters, I think four. Mm-hmm. Um, Trevor Lawrence, two and a half, two Trevor and three Lawrence. quarters year yeah. starter, and he was Trevor Lawrence. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that he's a, a tremendous value right now. Um, ADP uh, is, is fairly steady. Um, last month it was uh, in July, it was 257.2. Overall, it's uh, 255.2. So that's far from cost prohibitive there, yeah. you know, and you're getting a guy who's going to absolutely light it up. He would have, you know, like I said, threw for a hundred more yards than than any FBF passer per game. Like I think you can absolutely just lot like put it down and pin three fifty a game. Period. Like easy. That's your floor. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and their schedule, it's not, it's not easy. Um, they do get Indiana. They do get Michigan State. But other than that, you know. Not it's, a difficult it's a schedule. schedule. Yeah. I mean, Not a difficult schedule. That's a conference USA team. So, you know, maybe, maybe you don't want to start him against Indiana. Um, right. You know, maybe, but you know, look what he did to, to Texas. It's air raid. Though. Like, I, it's, it's air raid. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. I mean, will it translate to the NFL? I don't know, but like in college, it's the air raid. It's just, exactly. They, just, they throw to grass. Exactly. Um, so yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, though, what if they, what if they pull off, I don't think they can beat Indiana, but like they could beat Michigan State. Sorry, Dwight. (laughs) They're terrible, and they're going through like they're they're in major transition mode. They don't really have a quarterback. Like, you know, I they could beat them, which would be pretty cool because that would put his name on the map. Start. Oh yeah, some more buzz. Oh yeah, you should have gone. Your uh, your bold take should have been Bailey Zappi for Heisman. No, no way. That's Can you, I wonder if you could even get odds on that one. I doubt it. So, I mean, somebody will always take your money, but Just it would have it. to be like 20,000 to one. Or something. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, so we'll move into the, the next QB must have here. Uh, that is Grant Wells QB for Marshall. 
Uh, Grant Wells, redshirt freshman last year, um, started all 10 games for Marshall uh, through for 61.1% completion percentage, so fairly respectable there. Uh, 2,091 yards, 18 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Um, and I just remember watching this guy last year. It was week zero. It was the first game after we were up and down, whether we were going to have a season or not. Mm-hmm. You know, Nobody really knew. They announced they were having a season. This was the very first game I saw on TV. Uh, it was against Eastern Kentucky. And this dude came out on fire. 307 yards, four touchdowns. Pretty sure at that, in that game, he threw for – he completed his first eight or ten passes. I don't remember mm. exactly off the top of my head, but just lights out right off the bat. Um, you know, th- had some ups and downs, but, you know, to be expected as a uh, as a redshirt freshman starting. But, you know, he, he had a very nice year. Um, lit up Middle Tennessee wheels. State. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he had 174 rush yards too, two touchdowns. So, you know, brings a little bit there with the legs. I think that you know he's going to have a nice year this year, quarterback wise. I mean, he's not going to be a Bailey Zappy for you, but I think he's going to be startable. And I liked what I saw NFL wise from him last year. You know, I think he made some nice throws. Um, you know, he's definitely struggled with consistency, but I, as far as G5 quarterbacks go, I think you could do a lot worse in terms of NFL potential. That is very interesting. Yeah, I mean, he he had some bombs, which, hey, my guy is Jeff Sims, and he did too. So <laughs> we can be easy on these freshmen. But, I mean, App State, he was 11 for 25. And Alabama, UAB, he was 8 for 23. So he's going to need to clean those up, obviously. Yeah. I mean, 8 for 23 is, whew. Oh, yeah. And that Rice game, five interceptions. So definitely yeah, up and down throughout yeah, the year. Yeah, yeah. Um. But, but five touchdowns against Middle Tennessee. So, you know, yeah, put them together. It's not so bad. Yeah, exactly. So, I like I said, I think you could do a lot worse there. I think he is a guy that, like I said, as far as G5 quarterbacks go, he's got some decent NFL potential there, I think. Um, so, I, I he's a guy that I'll be keeping an eye on here throughout the, throughout the season this year. ADP at 208 right now. Uh, so not too not too bad there either. And I think uh, you know they they're probably going to need to rely a little more on on Grant Wells to be the engine of that team because right. Knox is gone and they used to just give Knox the ball thirty times a game. And so you know maybe Wells gets a little more rushing opportunities, maybe throws a little more. I mean I think there's a chance that he put up, puts up more production just because they're you know if he transitioned from a run based team to a Grant Wells based offense, maybe you know. He pops a little bit there. Yeah, pops a little bit. Like I said, I think right now he's he's a startable uh, quarterback for you. And, you know, maybe he ter- even turns into a quarterback that, you know, can win you a week or two here and there. Um, Not crazy. Yeah. But uh, we'll move into the cream of the crop here for CUSA. Um, you know, all respect to Mr. Bailey Zappi. But I think <laughs> this, when you think you CUSA – uh, this is the player that everybody really thinks of, and that's Mr. Sincere McCormick, mm-hmm. uh, running back uh, out of UT San Antonio. Uh, Sincere McCormick, um, I, I've had a little bit of a write-up on him in uh, in my article there, too, and just briefly to touch on it there, 
uh, second leading rusher last year, 1,467 yards through 11 games. Uh, as a true freshman, he led the team in carries, 983 yards and eight touchdowns. Smashed backfield dominator metric his first two years on campus and back-to-back 20-plus reception seasons as well. That's nice. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Sincere McCormick. Um, so I'll let you, I'll let you take away them this one here. What, what are your thoughts on Sincere McCormick? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I can say it much better than you did. He is sensational, and he's been sensational from the moment he walked on campus. Um, you know, when guys do stuff like this, it's almost like how were they missed so badly that he went to UTSA? I mean, like not even Texas Tech or some lower P5, but, you know, UTSA, a bottom rung, at least at the time of his commitment, a bottom rung G5. But he's been awesome. I mean, this is the kind of thing you want to see. Like, that's what Aaron Jones did when he went to UTEP. He was incredible immediately, I believe, and then just kept doing it, had a 2,000-yard season on his record. Um, And what you want to see is the receiving, especially for these smaller backs and G5 backs. They've got to be good receivers. You're not going to find a two-down banger who's really, really good probably in the G5 that goes to the NFL. Um, he's got the pieces of the puzzle to be an NFL guy. Uh, he's got two more years, probably. I mean, I think going to that, you know, being an early declare out of G5 seems unlikely, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I think he's very exciting. And if he, you know, if he has one of these seasons, like in the next two years where he catches 40 or 50 balls in a season and really, you know, kind of solidifies himself as like a, a premium receiving back and he can run between the tackles too. I mean, he can, I think then you're looking at potentially day two capital and that's when you really start talking. Yeah, absolutely. I, and size wise too. I mean, I know G five guys sometimes are a little undersized. Um, he's five, nine, 200 pounds. So, right. you know, he's not tiny. Yeah. I mean, he's, and, and you know, by the time the, whatever the weigh in comes around, he could be five, nine, two Oh eight. That's fine. Yeah. Daryl Henderson size. Yeah, exactly. I don't think there's any reason he won't get up to the 205 to 10 range by the mm-hmm. time like combine rolls around. And yep. I don't think he's going to lose much, uh, lo- lose much there in terms of his explosiveness because uh, he's not the best athlete out there right now. Um, so I don't worry about him losing his athletic ability by adding five to 10 pounds. I mean, he's he's fine. He's a solid athlete, but that's not his calling card. Right. And that's not how he wins. I mean, he's not right. winning by hitting the corner and, and, you know, blowing 80 yard runs. Yeah. Winning exactly. just by being good and, yep. and good vision and, and the whole nine there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that pretty much does it for our must haves there. Um, I'd say so. Yeah. Conference USA is, uh, it's, it's a nice conference, all respect to them, but it's not the Mac. It's not uh, the AAC and it's not even really the Mountain West. It's not the Sun Belt. I yeah. think some more interesting things in the Sun Belt some, sometimes. So. Yeah. Yeah. But there are a lot of guys that we have listed here as maybe relevant. I mm-hmm. mean, there's some there's some potential guys in here that could pop off this year um, and make it up into that must-haves list at some point. Um, our quarterback that we have listed here as maybe relevant is Austin on uh, QB from North Texas. Um, that he's a guy that I really went back and forth with on whether to put him in that, in that category there. 
um, you you added him to the show sheet, and I you made the decision easy for me. I, I think he belongs in that category. Um, so you know he's he had some nice years or nice games last year. He was splitting touches, uh, splitting splitting reps with Jason Bean, who has since transferred out mm-hmm. to Kansas. So he's looking like he's going to be the guy there this year. Um, he had three 300-yard passing games. Um, doesn't bring a ton with the legs. Um, but my big concern with Austin on is he has basically zero NFL future. I mean, Brandon Whedon thinks this guy is old. <laughs> um, he spent six and years. You had to point that out to me. I actually did not realize that. <laughs> yeah, he spent six years in the Yankees minor league system. Um uh, he was in the uh, in the incoming class of 2012, oh. I believe. That was his. That was his. Uh, that was when he graduated high school, which was the same year I graduated high school. So he is almost 28. <laughs> um, I feel old. <laughs> so yeah, I, no NFL future, but I think he has some potential there this year to be uh, to be a back end fantasy starter for you especially now that he is going to be getting all of the reps and doesn't have to split them with Jason B. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I did not realize he was so old <laughs> or I just thought he was a guy, you know, a normal, normal college player, but you know, he had a nice yards per attempt. That's always something that I look for. Uh, you know, if nothing else for fantasy purposes, like when he goes out there and has one of these games where you can say, Oh, I think they're going to need to throw the ball. And you can multiply that by a decent yards per attempt. I mean, you have a guy you can spot start. Uh, he, he was up near nine, which is really a nice number. Uh, that's what, just to put it in perspective, why Caleb Ellaby at 11 is that insane. Because like nine is good. Um, but anyway, I digress. So I think he's kind of interesting. They're going to have um, some more passing options. J- uh, Darden goes away, but they've got another guy we're going to mention who is interesting. And they're going to have some big plays, I think, in the passing game. So it's worth considering. He'd have to be pretty deep. I think you said your league that you you have him in a league, and it's incre- it's very, very deep, though. Yeah, it's a 24-team it's a league, um, but I have him on my roster there, and he's a guy that I, I took in the supplemental draft this year. Um, I, I picked him up there um, pretty late, pretty cheap, but I needed a, a quarterback, and I have no problem if I need to start him week yeah. in and week out. And I think... Um, you know, if there's any schedule, any slates for daily fantasy that, that North Texas is on, I mean, you could certainly consider them. I think they're going to have some good uh, passing days. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. So. They were the, uh, in terms of passing yards per game, they were the 25th best uh, passing offense in the country last year. So there it's an offense go. that puts up some numbers. Yeah. Um, should definitely be, you know, fantasy relevant, if not, you know, ever NFL relevant, but that's totally fine. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll move into to running back here. And this is a guy that I, I kind of, I wasn't sleeping on him, but I wasn't paying enough attention to him. And then when I wrote this article here, um, I, it kind of opened my eyes and I was, I'm definitely interested in Mr. Frank Gore Jr. For uh, Southern Miss. Obviously the name value it's there, but uh, and, you know, he saw playing time immediately last year as a true freshman. He was a three-star recruit. Uh, he had 708 yards and two touchdowns, nine receptions, 97 yards and a touchdown all through 10 games. Uh, and I think he's a guy that's going to be due for some positive touchdown regression. He scored on 2.3% of his touches. So I think that that's bound to increase, um, you know, and, and 
you're looking at a guy who put up roughly 80 yards a game. Uh, that's that's fantasy relevant, I think. And he's got that name value. So I think that he could even be a, a potential NFL back, although he's a little light right now. Yeah, the thing with Gore that keeps getting to me is his size. I mean, I've seen him listed anywhere from 5'8", 165 to 5'8", 185. I don't know. Truth probably is somewhere in the middle, but that's just... It's light. Very light, uh, unless you're an absolutely elite passing back. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, and you know the other thing that, that always weirds me out just a, a little bit is when you've got these guys with the name value. I mean... Frank Gore Jr. did not go overlooked in recruiting circles because right. he's Frank Gore Jr. And the fact that he still went to Southern Miss is like, eh, I don't know. Like, he's not overlooked. You know, people know who he was, and he was on people's radars and still did not have a better offer than old Southern Miss. But you're right. He came in right away, and he was basically the, the full-blown starter immediately. And I think for college production, yeah, you're going to get two, probably three years of pretty solid flex, uh, maybe even running back two numbers from him. Um, and we'll see if he develops, maybe, maybe he'll grow a little bit. I mean, some guys put on an inch and, and, you know, 20 pounds in college. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, he'll, they'll definitely need to put on, you know, 15 pounds, 20 pounds minimum there. But, uh, one of the things I do really like about his fantasy value moving forward here is the new head coach for Southern Miss, Will Hall. Mm -hmm. uh, his offenses averaged 42.8 rush attempts per game last year and 46.9 um, rushing attempts per game the year before that. Um, there was 26th and 8th in the country, respectively. So I think he is going to be featured pretty heavily. So I think you're looking at at least two years of really nice production on the college side. Yeah, I buy that. Where did he come from? Um, you know? He was from uh, Killeen. Killian oh. in Miami. No, I meant uh, the new coach. Sorry. Oh, oh, oh. My apologies. My apologies. I thought you meant Frank Gore. Um, where did Will Hall come from? I had it. I'm just curious. Um, yeah, it was another G5 program, I believe. Okay. So he's bringing in kind of a new offense? Yeah, that is uh, that is what I was seeing there. He okay. was the head coach at West Alabama for a couple years. West mm -hmm. uh, okay, he was an offensive coordinator for ULL. Uh, oh, yeah. Starting okay. in 2017. And, yeah, they have a very fun offense. Yeah. That's actually – I kind of sneaky like that in general yep. just for Southern Miss in, uh, at large, actually. Okay. Yeah, so he was the OC at ULL, and then he, he was at uh, Tulane. Um in 2020 okay also so. yeah those are some fun fun little offenses so he's staying around the um well i guess ull's sunbelt but yeah but and tulane is sunbelt or as aac so anyway well that's an interesting hire i'm going to keep an eye on southern miss that's kind of that's kind of cool and they've had some college fantasy relevant players right. over the last five years or so yeah um his, his adp right now is in the 17th round um from june uh, so that's a little bit high, but I, I don't at that point in time, I think you're going to get a really nice college producer uh, and anything you get NFL wise in that range is is kind of icing on the cake. So mm -hmm. I think he's fine at that ADP. Yeah, I agree. Uh, moving into the next guy here. This is uh, this is a guy I like a lot. This is a guy uh, Chris Moxley likes a lot, too. Um, mm -hmm. 
That's Dwayne McBride from UAB. Um, last year, he was a, uh, a true freshman. Uh, came in and they had an established four-year starter in Spencer Brown. Um, so, you know, it was going to be hard for him to overtake it, but he was very efficient with the touches he got. Uh, PFF said he was the second highest graded running back from last year behind only Javante Williams. Wow. Uh, so, and Spencer Brown off to the NFL. Uh, they do have Jermaine Brown Jr. there still, but Jermaine Brown Jr. is listed at 5'8", 175. So I think it's, uh, it's going to be the McBride show. Yeah, seems that it would be. And I think he had some obscene yards per carry. Not that that's really sticky, but like, didn't he have like nine yards per carry or something ridiculous? Yep. Yeah, 9.3. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely exciting. I've, I definitely was not familiar with him, but um, uh, yeah, Moxley likes him and some other people seem to really like Dwayne McBride. And I agree, he's probably going to be the feature, really the heart and soul of that offense at UAB, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, this this offense ranked 33rd uh, in yards per game last year uh, in terms of rushing. So, you know, it's going to be a pretty solid volume there. And they lost uh, leading wide receivers, Austin Watkins and Myron Mitchell to the NFL. So I think this is going to be the Dwayne McBride show. So you're looking at, you know, two to three years of really solid college production. It's going in the 18th round um as his average adp but that was uh buoyed by an outlier of 100 an adp of 135.5 in the month of april which is a little odd moxley um, must have been in a lot of those drafts <laughs> that's what i was thinking uh his his adp in june was 21st round which i think is more palatable i think that's more realistic yeah 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 i mean he's i don't know if you mentioned this he's 511 220 so like He's got size, and if he show he did not catch a ball last year, so we're going to want to see a little of that. Right. Yeah, it's UAB doesn't really throw the ball too much to their backs. That was kind of Spencer Brown's problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how much receiving work we'll see from him. That'll definitely be something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Uh, moving to the next guy here, we got uh, Dion Hankins, uh, running back out of UTEP. And this is another guy that, uh, I, I did have the privilege to write up there. Um, UTEP's offense, it's not anything prolific. Um, they were 84th in pass yards per game, 90th in rush yards per game in 2020, 104th and 91st, 2019, uh, 127th, 116th in 2018. So, you know, not a great offense, but, you know, Deion Hankins is a guy that, you know, he came in, um, he had some nice games last year. Their two leading rushers uh, aren't on the, you know, weren't on the team. And he stepped into that lead role right off the bat and, you know, had a nice little nice year. You know, he was the uh, RB 56 last year at 16.1 fantasy points per game. So I think that he could have a, a nice year. And I mean, he had almost exactly 50% of the carries. So I think that he can, you know, improve upon that for sure as well. Yeah, it looks like that stat or his total points probably buoyed by nine touchdowns in seven yes. games. Right. But, you know, if he's the guy they're going to give it to, he's the guy they're going to give it to. Um, yeah, I have to say uh, he was a name that that when I, I checked out your article preparing <laughs> for this and I was like, yeah, I, I, I 
I'm a little embarrassed to admit, but yeah, I had not heard of him. Like, I, I feel like I know. You are not far from the only person. <laughs> I feel like UTEP I know not so many deep players in all of college football, if nothing else from Daily Fantasy. But like you said, UTEP offense was not too great. So I wasn't really even in on them for Daily Fantasy. Like I saw UTEP on the schedule and I was like, ah, I'm going to probably skip that one. So, uh, yeah, that's an interesting name. And he's good size again. Like you like these guys who aren't, you know, one eighty five. Like they're two ten, and so if they can put something together, at least that's not going to be a barrier for them. Yeah, um, I, I yeah, I completely agree. Like I said, I mean, UTEP not a great offense, but you did add somebody uh, a little bit later that we'll talk about from UTEP too. So, um, you know, there are a couple decent pieces on there. It's, it's, a, it's it seems to be a little bit more of a funnel offense, which you know. That can have its value as well. Right. For fantasy, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll move in here to uh, to the next guy. Um, and this was a guy that uh, that you had convinced me to move up to the maybe relevant category. I had him in the stashes, um, but you, you, oh, you yeah. talked me into moving him up into the maybe relevant here. So uh, I'll let you uh, just take it away on Mr. Keon Henry Brooks. Yeah, so this is a this is a very interesting guy, and and certainly a, a little of my love for him comes from the DFS experience I had. I started him for like seriously the stone minimum salary, I believe, one week, and he went for lack of a better word, he went kind of ham against I think it was Mississippi State. Let me pull up his stat line, but he had a game where he we he had yeah Mississippi State. 20 carries, 115 yards, one touchdown, 11 receptions for 97 yards against Mississippi State, at Mississippi State for that matter. Uh, the week before, he against Mississippi, who we know was one of the worst defenses in all of college football, but he had 23 carries for only 66 yards, but five receptions for 89 yards. So in those two games, he had 16 receptions for like 100 and. I mean, basically 180 yards, which is just bonkers. Um, you love to see that receiving work. He's good size, 6'1", like 205 or something. And actually, he's a guy I've been waiting all offseason to find out where he was going to transfer to. I know he <laughs> entered the portal, and I feel like maybe I just missed it, but I feel like I kept checking back to see, has he announced where he's going? And I never found it. In fact, I found out today it was Louisiana Tech. So I'm actually very excited uh because like you said in your write-up they don't have anybody else their their leading rusher is gone their second leading rusher i think is is also moving on and he's you mentioned he's probably the best player on louisiana tech i think he's like kind of maybe legit good i mean he was very productive in the sec last year yeah, um, I, I he was a three-star prospect, 61 first-ranked running back in that class. Uh, you know, it goes to Vandy, has to sit a year behind Keyshawn, or, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, yeah. but then he took it over. You know, he took that backfield over, and those that, that receiving work through six games, you know, mm -hmm. 28 catches through six games, mm -hmm. that's, that's over four catches a game. You love to see that. His lowest reception total was two in a game. Other than that, he had at least three in every single game. I mean, you know, for running back, that's that's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, for fantasy, if nothing else, like if you see Louis in a tech on a schedule, go check out Ken Henry books. And for fantasy, I mean, I don't think he's being drafted like period he's at not. all. And I'm still in the end 
in the end game of a couple drafts, I'm definitely going to pick him up. Cause like I said, I actually did not know he had announced. And so this is a great landing spot. I think. Yeah. I, I he just announced, I believe it was like two or three weeks ago. So it's very recent. Uh, he was one of the guys who stayed in the portal for a while. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it doesn't have an ADP and yeah, abs- absolutely think he's worth taking in the, towards the end of the round. And I think he's going to be the focal point of that offense because there's really nobody else on that team uh, that you want. Uh, I mean, Justin Henderson went to the NFL last year. Um, He was a guy who had a really nice 2019, 2020, not so much. Uh, But 2020 leading rusher also off the NFL. So it's wide open backfield for him. Yeah, I mean, you love volume, you know, for a running back, right? So he had four of six games. 20 carries or more obviously then you add in three receptions so you're looking at a guy who basically averaged at least 20 touches in almost every single game like that's bell cow stuff i mean you know it's vandy so the offense was generally bad and generally overmatched against whatever defense they were playing but like he was the guy so you love to see that and now he goes somewhere where he's going to be the guy again yeah yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously I'm excited. Like I, I've been wanting to know where he was going to land because I was definitely tracking and wanted to follow him where he went. And I think Louisiana Tech's probably a real nice landing spot. So I'm definitely pumped up. Yeah, I'm I'm, Lisa, I'm glad you, you uh, I'm glad you just talked me into moving him up into the into the maybe relevant category from the stashes, because the more I think about it, the more I think he's going to have a really nice year this year. I think, you you know, you can start him in your flex a couple weeks, especially because most C2C leagues are you know, at least two flexes. Most of them are like three or four. Mm-hmm. You know? And and they're almost all PPR. And, you know, right. you're going to get three or four receptions kind of floor. if they th- And they threw it to Justin Henderson, I think, too. So, like, the offense mm-hmm. does do that. Pretty sure yeah. if I remember correctly, they did throw it to Henderson. Yeah, yeah, he, he, caught, he caught some decent amount of passes there. I mean, this isn't UAB, like we were talking about a little bit ago with, with Dwayne McBride. You know, they'll throw mm-hmm. the ball to, to their running backs a little bit. Yeah, he had 24 receptions in 2019 uh, yeah. in 13 games. So that's two a game. So, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty sneaky. He's like the d- truly, truly <laughs> sneaky sleeper in a, in a world where there are no sleepers. I mean, right. Keon Henry Books is like legit. Yeah, you heard it here first, Alfred. Yeah. Alfred, uh, Alfred calls him the uh, the sleeper of 2021. Pay attention. Yeah. Um, last guy running back wise, we have in the maybe irrelevant category is, uh, Mr. Devante price, uh, running back for FIU. Um, and this is, uh, he's from Matt's, uh, article on the, uh, on the CUSA East. Um, he is a senior running back. Um, he, you know, he's, he's coming back with that extra year of eligibility, but you know, for, for fantasy purposes, we, you don't really care, you know. Um, Butch Davis is is the head coach there. I think Butch Davis is going to feed him the ball, and he's pretty much the unquestioned starter there. So I think he has a shot to be, you know, definitely fantasy relevant. Uh, and you know, we'll. I don't know if he has an NFL future, but you know, you're going to be able to start him most weeks. Yeah, I mean, he's been incredibly efficient. Actually, like in his career, 6.3 yards per carry. I mean, that's pretty dang good. That's very good. Yeah. Um, I didn't know. He's another guy. Like, I guess I just don't know the CUSA very well because that's another <laughs> one. I read the article and I'm like, I've never heard of Devontae Price. 
Yeah, the CUSA, they definitely go under the radar there because they don't really have the star power. Um, like we were saying, you know, Sincere McCormick is the closest guy that they have to a fantasy star. Mm-hmm. And they just don't really have any name value teams, any like they name don't like it's a very unsexy conference. Like yeah. there's no teams that are like inter- like at least the Mac like has Maction, and yeah. you know they're they're just kind of like a wild zany conference. And then Sunbelt's putting together some stuff. Mountain West is probably like the closest to the G5 or AAC. And then yeah, Confucius like yeah, I mean Marshall or like you're getting excited about watching the Marshall. <laughs> we are Marshall, movie. baby. I mean, they're just, they're, they're very unsexy looking at all these teams. Like there's just not a lot of, uh, uh, intrigue. There's no one, none of these teams. I'm like, Oh, I want to watch that game, but I right. do want to watch Western Michigan versus ball state. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw that on a, on a Tuesday night match. Oh yeah, baby. For sure. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, we're going to get to it, but Western Kentucky is the only team that's, I mean, they're, they're tracking on that match and they've got that match and vibe. Oh Yeah. High, they're going to be a high flying offense. Yeah. Um, but one last note on Devonta Price there. Um, he averaged 18.4 fantasy points per game last year, which was better than Jerry and Ely. Wow. So, you know, just uh, he's, he's a guy worth taking later in your draft. Uh, but uh, we'll move here into wide receivers in the maybe relevant category. And this is a guy that I think could, you know, you added him to the sheet, I believe. And he's a guy that even could have been up into the uh, into the must have section. You know, the more I think about it. Um, and that's Jared Stearns, wide receiver for for Western Kentucky. Um, you know, this is your team here. You know, you are an unaffiliated. <laughs> you the are West the Western Kentucky, Kentucky fan. <laughs> well, I mean, how can you not love that mascot? Like I do actually, I did, I did get a shirt that's got that. I don't even know what he's called, but like that mascot, that lump, that red lump. <laughs> I mean, it's so fun. They're a great team um, to root for. They're just kind of fun. But yeah, I mean, Jared Stearns. Yeah. He's the guy who came over with Bailey Zappi from Houston Baptist. And he was the number one receiver for Houston Baptist, like, I mean, if you if you kind of search for fancy points per game on fan tracks, he's like he's like the number one receiver in, in all of college football, like almost averaged 40 points a game. I mean, he routinely caught over 10 catches uh, over 10 passes every single game. You know, he's small and he went to he went to Houston Baptist. So I don't really know it what the uh, likelihood of NFL potential is, but like. He's gonna he's gonna produce this year for sure. Probably yeah. gonna catch like a hundred balls or something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're air raid offense, um, so you know we don't really care that much about size in an air raid yeah. offense. You know, yeah, he's, he's like five eight one seventy or something like that, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, and his uh, he had two hundred twenty receptions, which you know in his career that leads all active FCS players. Um, you know, he has a single best uh, a game of 18 catches. Oh my God. So he has 10 double-digit catch performances in 800-yard games. So, you know, he's he's a guy who's going to rack up a lot of points for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, may not be uh, may, may not be a guy that makes it in the NFL. You know, he's probably looking at an undrafted type of a guy. But, hey, you know, I think he's, uh, he's, he's going to put up a lot of numbers for you. Yeah, and depending on your league setup, I mean, the campus side can be worth winning. 
yeah. you know, even if it's, you know, some money or some other, um, you know, incentive to win the college side, it's not worthless. And he is going to be a league winner on the college side. Like yeah. if he can average 30 points a game or something, which would actually be 10 points less than last year, you know, that's still going to be wide receiver one probably in college football. So, um, and I think he's legit fast. I just think yeah. he's small. But like, I yeah. think he, he's probably going to run, you know, if, if he ever gets tested, like 4-5 at, at worst, maybe a 4-4 guy. He's very fast, but he's just small. Yep. Yeah, and I, I actually just, as I was looking it up here, I saw he has six siblings, uh, including his brother Josh, who is at uh, Western Kentucky. Caden Stearns, safety at Texas, also his brother. Oh, uh, yeah, huh. um, his other brother played at Western Texas, West Texas A&M, and his other brother plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Jordan Stearns. He went Holy to crap. State. Athletic family. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll, so we'll move here into the next wide receiver on the list here. Uh, and this is a guy that there's there's a little bit of hype around him. There's a little bit of hype here. Um, that's Jair Shorter, uh, wide receiver for North Texas. You know, everybody's looking at Jalen Darden, you know, what he did last year, the 74 receptions, 1190 yards, 19 touchdowns in 12 games, um, finished wide receiver one on a points per game basis, which was better than, um, better than Devonte Smith. I mean, you know, his numbers overall weren't as good, but Devonte Smith played, uh, played a couple extra games there. So, um, you know, I think that Jalen Darden, Expecting that kind of production is kind of a fool's errand, but like we touched on a little bit earlier when we we're talking Austin on, you know, Texas, North Texas is the 25th best passing offense. So we kind of want this wide receiver one here uh, mm -hmm. and it's looking like Jared Shorter might be that guy. Yeah. And, and I was talking to Austin. He, he's the guy who first mentioned his name to me. You know, it takes a village to, to do Campus to Canton well because there's so many players. Like, you you really need people to, to turn you on to certain guys. Uh, and, yeah, I, I didn't really know much about this guy. But Austin brought up a good point. He's, like, he's just too big and too fast for the Conference USA. He's 6'2", yep. 215. He's fast. And he's, like, he's just going to moss everybody. Like, I don't know about his NFL potential, but as far as the Conference USA, he's going to overmatch everybody. And, you know, that is kind of what he did in 2019. 24 for 473, almost averaged 20 yards a catch, nine touchdowns on 24 receptions, uh, which is bonkers. And he was injured last year. And Darden, of course, did Darden things. <laughs> but like I agree with you. I mean, if he's going to be the number one, they've obviously shown they are they have no problem locking in on one clear alpha like Darden was. And if Shorter can do that, Shorter might actually have more NFL potential because he's at least big. Um and uh, we'll see if he's athletic enough and all that other stuff. But but Austin brought up a good point. He's just one of those guys like he's just too big and too fast in that conference. He's going to dominate. Yeah, um, he was a, a preseason Conference USA selection. So, you know, he's getting a little bit of buzz. They're kind of paying attention to him. Like you said, he, I think he would have even more hype if uh, if he didn't get hurt last year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he didn't have an ADP until last month uh, in June or July, I'm sorry, but, um, you know, it was a 27th round uh, ADP there, and that's 328 overall. So I think that's a bargain. Yeah. And he's going into his fourth year as a redshirt junior, I think. So he's not a yeah. super senior yet. 
Yeah, no, and, and you know he could he could leave after this year potentially, uh, which you know, or maybe he sticks around too. Yeah, you, you could know, get but, two really good. You could get two thousand yard seasons out of him for sure. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So I just went and looked at his two four seven profile. So he was originally. This is an interesting. We don't see this very often. So he was a tight end as a huh. recruit, and now he's a wide receiver. Usually, see it the other way around. So that's kind of interesting. Um, makes me question a little bit about the athletic ability, maybe. But you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I still think he's. Uh, I still think he's fine athletically for a wide receiver. So, you know, and maybe he always keeps that uh, that tight end card in the back pocket if he ever needs it in the NFL. Who yeah. knows? Although he's and a you, little yeah. light for the NFL. Yeah, well, maybe end. he never packed on the pounds that people thought he would, and and he's athletic mm-hmm. enough to stay at wide receiver. And again, in the Conference USA. I think he's just going to bully people. Yeah. Um, so the only tight end really worth uh, worth paying attention to here and for fantasy purposes uh, is Xavier Gaines, the tight end from Marshall. Uh, he's uh, a redshirt senior or a COVID senior. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure how that's going to be, but 50 air guy this year. Um yeah, 28 catches, 404 yards, four touchdowns uh, the year before that. But he also got 10 carries, um, 2019, oh. um, 27 catches, 306 yards, three touchdowns, and 26 carries, 181 yards, and two touchdowns. So they give him the ball in a variety of different ways. Uh, so, you know, as far as tight ends go, it's, you know, in college, it's kind of kind of a crapshoot at times. And I think you could do a lot worse than Xavier Gaines. He returned a punt, one punt as a freshman. So yeah, I mean, for zero yards, so maybe it was a fair catch. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they want him on the field, and you love guys, especially at a position like tight end. I mean, you love guys that that the coaching staff is telling us we want to get the ball in his hands, and at a position that is so rarely a volume based position, I think that's meaningful. So I'm I'm fully on board with that. Yeah, and you know, like you talked about when we were touching on Grant Wells, there, you know, Brandon Knox is gone, so they may lean a little bit heavier on the passing game, and you know, he's a guy that is um, at the very least a very solid option in that passing attack. So, yep, uh, yep. The, we'll move here into the stashes, um, and this is a guy that I I like. Um, I you know I mentioned him in my article here. Um, and that's a Oscar Attaway, the third, um, for North Texas. Um, but we talked about North Texas being a good passing offense, but they were actually even a better rushing offense. They were 13th in the country in rush yards per game. Um, now it is kind of a three headed monster, uh, and they are bringing back the leading rusher from last year and Deandre Torrey. Uh, the other, the third head of that attack is going to SMU. He's tra- he transferred, hmm. um, but the uh, you know Oscar Attaway is six foot two fifteen, um, DeAndre Torrey five seven one ninety five. So I think Attaway could could see a you know a nice uptick in carries there, uh, and he had three hundred yard games and a ninety seven yard game. So if he increases the workload, keeps some of that efficiency, uh, I think Attaway is a guy that could you know, he, he can make a little bit of noise for you. Yeah, that was an interesting good call too. I mean, I another another one I just, I'm learning about all these conference <laughs> running backs, I feel like tonight. Uh, but yeah, certainly a good call there. I, I think you make a good case. 
Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I had the advantage of of I wrote the the West, um, and there's actually there's more fantasy relevant options in the West than there are in the East. The mm. East is pretty much Western Kentucky, and, and that's kind of it. Maybe and, yeah, that's yeah Marshall. There's a couple guys there like we mentioned, but it's really Western Kentucky, and then some guys here and there. But um, you know, the West actually has some decent options there. Um, but Attaway isn't even you know consistently drafted in the top 400 mm-hmm. um he has an adp at 378 but no adp in june or july so he's not a guy you have to spend really significant draft capital on and i think that you know he's got at least two more years of eligibility there so you know you could get some decent numbers from him yeah and i think a lot of these guys we are talking about like in that 40th round i mean these are like last last couple of rounds in your draft just just guys who could pop in and be productive for you definitely do not reach on most of these guys yeah um that's very very well said i mean we're talking these guys up um but definitely don't reach on them they're just they're definitely guys to be aware of um you know using our our adp tool uh we'll plug the site here for a second using our adp tool is is a good idea to kind of get a a vibe for where some of these guys are going Um, yeah absolutely but uh, we'll move into the wide receivers here, and uh, we'll talk about the the guy here that you had added to the show sheet, um, Jacob Cowing, wide receiver at a UTEP. Uh, he's a guy that I kind of went back and forth on about including in the article, but my biggest concern was just UTEP not having an offense really worth a whole lot, but... Uh, it is kind of a funnel offense, so he can definitely put up some numbers for you. So I'll let you take it away here on Jacob Cowan. Yeah, he's been a guy who who has certainly been on my kind of watch list uh, really ever since he was a freshman because he kind of burst onto the scene. I mean, we love these guys, even in the G5, like we talked about, Sincere McCormick, who just show up on campus and immediately produce no matter where they are. That is impressive. And he did that. Um his first year, 31 receptions, 550 yards, um, and three touchdowns, which probably isn't going to make you too excited. But he led the team, uh, I believe, in receiving yards and tied for the most in touchdowns as a true freshman. Followed it up last year in the weird COVID season, 41 for 691 and three, but in only eight games. He was actually tracking for over 1,000 yards if you gave him a full 12-game schedule. So I think if you're telling me he's a thousand yard receiver and you're going to get at least two more years out of him, uh, he's relevant on the college side for sure. I think. And then I don't know about NFL. Like you, you, you pointed out, he is small, five eleven, one seventy. I'd have to look the look at the tape. I mean, a lot of this is really just numbers based for him. At least I haven't seen if he's you know does he pop athletically on tape or anything like that. But he's done enough as a teenager against other, you know, got to think about the G five probably has tons of fifth year seniors. I mean, he's playing against guys, 20, 21, 22 years old uh, and dominating them. So that's always a good sign and we'll see where he goes, but I think he's at the very least he's college side relevant for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you know, it, it may not be a high volume rushing attack, but he's definitely the folk or a passing he's, attack, but he's he gets everything. Point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't mention. Yeah. I mean the, the big, the big thing is as a sophomore last year in the eight games, he had 40, I think 2% weighted dominator, which takes into account his market share of the team's passing yards, 
and that's weighed at 80%. And then uh, the passing touchdowns is weighted only 20% because they're a little more fluky. But anything over, I mean, frankly, anything over 30 is, is pretty impressive at any level of your career, but certainly as a sophomore. And he went 42% as a sophomore. I mean, that puts him in the absolute upper, upper, upper echelon, even when you're talking about G5. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, at 5'11", 170, probably never going to be a touchdown scorer, but big time yak guy. So yep. yeah, he's going to put up the yards for you. Yeah. Uh, we'll move here into uh, a guy that I did. I wasn't, he was sort of on my radar. Like just, I knew the name uh, before I wrote the article here, but when I wrote it, I, I'm, I'm a lot more intrigued by Zakari Franklin, a wide receiver out of UTSA. Uh, everybody really thinks of, of sincere McCormick when you think of UTSA and then, and definitely fair, uh, you know, he's really the engine of that offense, but uh, Zakari Franklin was another immediate impact freshman. Uh, he was the second leading wide receiver on the team as a freshman with 38 catches, 491 yards and three touchdowns. Um, year two, uh, he steps up. He's even, even better, um, with, uh, 49 catches, 649 94 yards and seven touchdowns uh he also broke utsa's record for single season receiving yards um with that 694 are you serious despite, <laughs> despite missing two games yes yeah, so not a high power offense no no <laughs> um his seven touchdowns second most in program history so yeah not not surprising there yeah, he's certainly interesting. He's definitely on my kind of like G5 watch list, which I kind of do separate out because the D G5 just have to meet some different requirements. I mean, let's right. be honest for NFL potential. So, but he's definitely on that list and you're, you're, you're totally right. And seven touchdowns in 10 games last year, pretty sweet. Um, got eight. Oh no, he only got one rushing attempt. Yeah. I was trying to see if he was like multidimensional, but he's got decent size, six one one eighty five and, yeah, I I watch. I actually did watch some U U. What is he? U, he's UTSA, UTSA right? Yeah. So I watched some UTSA for sincere. Um, I want to look at get a look at Franklin and also uh, Cephas is another guy kind of interesting, um, who actually led the team last year. Um, they're both the same class, so he was a sophomore. Um, he didn't wow me athletically, just kind of watching on tape, but but he's doing something right. And I'm certainly interested to keep following his career. Yeah. And uh, you know, for anybody, you know, who's a numbers guy analytics, you know, he had a, a freshman weighted dominator rating of 22%, mm -hmm. uh, a 31.9% last year. So, you know, he keeps tr trending upwards. He's already hit the 30% threshold that we kind of look for. So, yep. you know, there's, there's put some, some potential there for sure. Uh, and 25th round ADP, uh, going 299 overall, so you don't really have to take him too early. Yeah, I just I need to see UTSA do a little more through the air, just in general. Yeah, I, yeah, that's that's the big concern there. Um, like I said, that's kind of why he wasn't really on my radar too much before the article, but I'm definitely intrigued to hear afterwards. Yeah, um, Frank Harris needs a little work. Yes, and and I talk about that too in the article uh, with you Frank do. Harris. At, He's in my roster fillers, but I, with Frank Harris, you're kind of banking on that rushing production. Yes, for sure. Uh, 95 carries, 528 yards, and nine touchdowns last year. But 
2019, he only had 39 attempts, 136 yards. So, you know, how much can we rely on that? Right. And especially nine touchdowns may not happen again. Yeah. Uh, so the last wide receiver here that we have on the list is a guy that I'm betting most people probably aren't aware of. It's a guy that I stumbled across um, in uh, in the article, 100 True Freshmen Who Will Impact the 2021 College Football Season by your guy, Chris Hummer. Um, you know, if, if <laughs> you have a program. Yeah, if, if you're a friend of, of Why Wait Till Sunday, if you haven't listened to that, uh, that's a fantastic interview that Alfred does with Chris Hummer. So you definitely got to go check that one out. Um, but his article there pegged Johnson as one of the guys to, to impact the season. And I looked into him, and he's originally committed to Oklahoma as a corner, uh, but he decommitted because he wanted to play the wide receiver position. Uh, so he went to North Texas. It was really the only school that was offering him to play at wide receiver because Alabama also wanted him as a corner. And Caleb Johnson possesses elite speed, ranked 11th in the state of Texas uh, in, in high school with an official 10.5800 meter dash in That's 2020, moving. which was 0.05 seconds behind Devin Achain. Um so everybody knows Devin Achain, the guy, the running back from Texas A&M. He is a all SEC caliber sprinter, and I believe Olympic caliber sprinter too. He's he's getting up there. Yeah, I mean, ten uh, five is like, yeah, ten five is approaching the equivalent of like a four three forty four four at worst. I yeah. mean, when you get down below ten eight, anything below ten eight is like elite football speed. Yeah. Um, and he also uh, had uh, nice results in the triple jump and the long jump as well. He was in the top 25 in his state, both of those as well. So he's got that athleticism. Um, he's on North Texas, which is a team that at least we, we want that wide receiver one. You know, we're thinking it's going to be Jair Shorter. Um, but even if it is Jair Shorter for the next two years, Caleb Johnson is going to have a year or two there. Uh, where he could be the guy. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see him, you know, have one game towards the end of this year where he puts up like four catches for like a hundred yards. Cause he has like a massive 80 yard touchdown where he just outruns everybody, um, you know, and then people start to, to take notice of him. So he's not a guy that I would draft anywhere uh, unless you're in a super deep league. Like I didn't take him in that 24 teamer, but he is on my watch list. Yeah, this is a very, very interesting player. I think in our Discord, shout out to the, the C2C Discord. Great place to at least, if nothing else, I mean, people are throwing out different names all the time. Guys, you know, people hear a little whisper about someone. They go check them out, whatever. They ask the group, hey, what do you think of this guy? That's where I first heard about Caleb Johnson myself was in our Discord. Um I want to take a look. Actually, I haven't had time to actually go look at his high school uh, huddle tape. I want to see it because he is ex extremely interesting. Like you said, elite programs wanted him as a corner. So you know he's got football skills that Bama said they wanted, that Oklahoma said they wanted, just on the defensive side of the ball. But he clearly must have football movement skills, football instincts, that were very, very, very good. And, you know, he wanted, he, he's betting on himself to be an offensive player. I like that story. You know, if you're going to take a guy in the G5 or something, like that's the story I want to hear that he just wants to be a receiver 
and the best of the best programs in the country thought he was a good enough athlete, but just wanted him on defense. And he said, no, I want to play offense. Like that's the kind of story I want to hear if I'm going to take a stab at someone like this. So it's super interesting. I mean, and he's actually, so his, his two, four, seven height weight was five ten one seventy. Obviously that's pretty small, but he, and I don't know if I believe this, but his listing on the North Texas website is six feet, one eighty. So if he's really closer to six feet, one eighty, uh, I mean, that's a beautiful size for a receiver, especially as a true freshman. So, yeah. I mean, if he's six foot one eighty, you know, he could be a, a Dwayne Eskridge type guy where starts a you know wide receiver, maybe bumps the corner for a hot second and comes back the wide receiver and then just explodes and then yeah. maybe the NFL wants him. Yeah, I mean, what if he's even if he's five eleven, one seventy five, like that's still better than five ten, one seventy. So I, I yeah. think especially and we're talking about a true freshman who I don't even think is on camp or maybe just got on campus. So he's not too small. He's verified elite speed. I'm intrigued. I need to really look at him harder. I still don't know if he finds his way even on a 45-man roster, to be honest with you. Yeah. But like you said, watch list and check those box scores early in the season. For sure. Yeah, I uh, I didn't. I missed the the chat on Caleb Johnson in, in the Discord. Um, I'll have Someone to brought him up to me. Yeah, I'll have to go uh, back I think when I was talking out. about my three-star receivers – because uh, okay. he was a three star, but he wasn't a receiver, so yeah. I never, I never came across him. Yeah, yeah, because he's listed as a corner. Yeah. Um. Uh, and the uh, the last guy here, the last stash we have, uh, is a tight end. Um. Another guy for for your uh, your program, <laughs> my hilltoppers. For your hilltoppers, Mr. Joshua Simon. Um. I'll let you take this one away. Yeah, I, I added him during the show, so you may not have prepared <laughs> to talk to him. But when we were talking about Xavier Gaines, I was like, oh, shoot. I mean, Simon's in the Conference USA. We definitely need to mention him. So he's got legit size, 6'5", 240. He was a uh, high school receiver, went to uh, Western Kentucky. And off the top of my head, I'm not sure I can say what his market share is. But for a tight end, it's been good both years. I mean, I think 15, maybe approaching 20-plus percent of the team's Receiving production and as tight end, that's excellent. So the bar is lower for a tight end. We were talking about 30 or more for, for a receiver, but for a tight end, 20% is actually excellent. So he hit that. He's got legitimate size. He's not one of these undersized guys. He's at 240. And now we're getting this air raid. So I think you could be looking at a very exciting year, at least on the college side, especially for tight end. I mean, it would not shock me if you put up 600 plus yards as a tight end, which is going to be, you know, startable every single week. Maybe there's more to it, too. I mean, we already talked about Stearns, the Stearns brothers. They're both 5'8", some, you know, 170. And, you know, Simon can operate as a tight end slash maybe probably a slot type jumbo slot in that offense and fill a role that the Stearns kids Stern's guys, sorry, they're not kids. I, I'm, I'm too old. These kids, um, but the Stern's guys can't fill being so small. So, I mean, I think he's got a legitimate role. I think he's going to keep a role in that offense. And uh, even though they're converting to the air raid, I think there's going to be plenty of targets for him to go around. Yeah. I'm glad you put him uh, on the sheet here. He's a guy that I, I missed. Um, like I said, I was doing the West. So that was kind of where I focused on. He is in the East. So I, I missed him on the sheet, but yeah, definitely fantasy relevant. 
Um, he's a guy that I've taken in a couple of leagues, actually. So I, I think I have maybe yeah. 100% exposure because he's just like, I mean, you're sitting he's in the 30th late. round. I mean, 40th round. Like, he's not getting taken. No. No, he's going late. And at 6'5", 240, you know, there's some NFL size there. You there know, we'll is. see how it shakes out. But at worst, high-end tight end producer in college. Yeah, with this new uh, offense, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so last thing here, are there any players here that you're avoiding at their current ADP. I mean, not a lot of them are are going anywhere where it's cost prohibitive, but anybody you're avoiding. Yeah, this is interesting because we we've done these conference previews and most of the G5 conferences like there's nobody that you can make too much of an argument that you need to stay away from because right. their ADPs are just like we're talking all these guys are like super late. The only guy, you know, who's who gives me pause and I, I love him as a player, but we talked about him sincere McCormick. Uh, he's a guy that I had higher earlier in the off season. I've just slowly ticked him down and moved some power five freshmen up and some other, you know, kind of guys that I can easily more easily envision an NFL future. Um, so I feel like I, I have not been landing sincere McCormick myself. And I, so I must be a little lower than consensus on McCormick. Uh, I hope he proves me wrong. He's a super fun story and he's a fun, exciting player, but I just, I get sheepish about G5, especially running backs. Like they just yep. don't exist in the NFL hardly. Yeah. Uh, and his fifth round ADP is very, very end of the fifth. It's 60 overall. It like, is there's still plenty of significant P5 guys to take there. For sure. Yeah. And I, my thing is, I think there's going to be some NFL potential there. I like his receiving ability coupled with his size. I think he's going to be fine. I'd like to see more athletic ability, so I don't know if he's going to be a day two guy or not. If he is, I think he would be a very late day two guy when he comes out. Uh, but I think he'll get drafted, and you know he could find his way into a James Robinson-esque role at some point in time and, you know obviously if he pops off and then travis Etienne comes in like robinson did <laughs> you know worst case scenario but robinson you know was on pace to be a a nice fantasy option yeah and, I, and he's, like i said yeah i mean i'm really rooting for him i just i'm not sure in the fifth round i'm gonna i'm gonna right. take him right I, I do have a i do have him in a couple of places uh but i don't think i've ever taken him in the Fifth. I think I usually end up with him, you know, sixth, seventh ish round. That's usually where I'm looking to take him. And I don't disagree. He's got NFL potential. Like, mm-hmm. I think that that's true. I just, if his ADP is in the fifth, even yeah. late fifth, I, I think you're right. I think it's going to have to get closer to the seventh. Yep. For me. Um, all right. Well, I think uh, I think that's going to do it tonight. Um, thank you, Alfred, for hopping on here with me. Uh, I was. A little bit of a last minute request, but you know, one of the benefits of uh, of having guys over at the site uh, who are super smart and you know just are are available. You know, I can easily reach out. Love having you guys on. I I, I love talking shop with all of you guys. Um, so if you're not following Alfred, uh, I don't know what you're doing. Um, you know, this guy is is one of my first uh, Twitter inter- Twitter interactions. There, um, follow him at at Alfred JF on twitter um you know he is the uh the host producer of why wait till sunday um so uh tell us what you got coming on uh, over there on why wait till sunday and and what you got coming up on the site 
Yeah, we got some. I mean, it's all intertwined now. I mean, why wait till Sunday is under the umbrella of Campus to Canton, but uh, we have made you know maintained kind of the individual brand, I suppose. But it is the DFS branch of C2C.com, I think you could say, and we are going to have some pretty awesome daily fantasy college football content for you um this season uh i'm gonna be joining forces with chris moxley you may have heard that name uh we're gonna be doing a lot of dfs content for the site for wait wait till sunday one podcast at least a week a bunch of written content and then of course kind of all things are going to come together for the tailgate which is going to be the morning show on saturday morning um before the games kick off every single week and we're going to give you everything you need to know for that saturday yeah, that was uh that was one of your that was one of your brain childs, correct? Brain oh, children. I'm so excited. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Alfred is uh Alfred is a big idea guy uh <laughs> at side. He's just he's constantly throwing out ideas like, guys, what if we do this? What if we do this? And you know, his hit rate is his hit rate's a good hit rate. I mean, he's got this morning. Sometimes story. they stick, sometimes people need to talk me off the, you know, but yeah, I, I just I throw stuff up against the wall and just see what sticks. Um, you know, we, we need that though. You know, like I said, the, the tailgate wouldn't have happened without your idea here. Um, and then obviously also to one of the premier, uh, college football DFS guys as well. Um, you know, I wish in PA I could play. Oh, DFS. I know. That's the big was, limiting yeah. factor. Yeah. I was gonna, I, I was gonna play last year. I was gonna, you know, I was following you on Twitter, following some of those recommendations. And then that was how I discovered I couldn't play college football dfs it'll come it'll come hopefully yeah um but that's going to do it here for us tonight thanks again alfred for hopping on appreciate that austin is supposed to be back next week um you know with how many vacations he takes and how many episodes (laughs) he misses who knows um but uh be on the lookout austin (laughs) either way be on the lookout uh we will be bringing the next edition of summer school early next week But that's going to do it here for us tonight. As always, I'm Colin. I'm Alfred. Thanks for tuning in. And have a good one, guys.